So maybe you remember about Super Bowl time. It's kind of joking uh, with uh, you about uh, uh, we were needing a TV for the church. Oh, we're going to dismiss uh, anyone that's uh, infant through three years old to the nursery, and then anyone that is uh, some other age up till fourth grade to the <laughs> fourth grade up to the uh, to the uh, children's uh, kids church. Kids church. I can never, four years old. Is that when that starts? Kids church starts. Four years old through fourth grade, four through fourth, and so. Um, well, okay, so yeah, we're gonna try this again. Um, yeah, um, so if you guys are around here on Super Bowl time, maybe you remember we were looking to uh, uh, get a big TV for the the church, and we since got that. And I was kind of joking with the guys. I was saying, uh, uh, you know, we we need a we need some. If you have a TV and you want to donate a big TV, this would be a great opportunity for you to get a bigger TV because Super Bowl was coming up. Uh, and then today, Teresa, Teresa made the announcement that in the fall, there is a car show. You don't get that? Guys, this is your opportunity. Maybe you need to go out and buy a cool car before the end of the, before the car show. Oh, boy. Oh, man. So, um, okay. Oh, all right. There we go. Uh, maybe you were here and you were aware of that. But before that, before that, at the beginning, uh, we said during the month of May we're going to be doing a sermon series I called 1.5 because there's three books in the Bible that have just one uh, chapter. Remember, we, we talked about that. And so we looked at Jude. Today we're going to look at Philemon. Next week we're going to look at Obadiah. And then there's only one book in the Bible that has two chapters. That's the book of Haggai. And I said, but we're only going to look at chapter one of that. So we're going to look at half of that. That's the point five. So we're looking at the ones. Point five. One point five. That's why we... And so, uh, aren't you glad you know that? And, um, and so here's Jude. Maybe you remember that we... Uh, Jude, we looked at Jude a couple of weeks ago. And Jude was Jesus' brother. And he was writing to the churches. Right? He's writing to churches. And he's writing particularly to a church that was uh, had some uh, difficulties and some dysfunction in it. And there were some, some people that were in there uh, that were uh, causing some, uh, some hard times. And remember he told them, Jude told that church, he says, I want you to be contenders of the faith. Contenders of the faith. And that means get in there and fight for the faith. And they said, because there are some people in the church that are not contenders of the faith, and, and these are the kind of nine people we don't want to be like, but there were these kind of people in the church. And I remember Cain. Cain was jealous, so we don't want to be jealous of other people's gifts or abilities or things. Uh, Balaam's error. Remember we talked about uh, Balaam? He was not following. Uh, he was not spiritually aware, and uh, he was kind of all over the place. We don't want to be like that. Uh, Korah's rebellion. The, there were people that, that were in Israel's nation that were following a godless leader, so we don't want to blemishes at the love feet. There were people introducing sexual immorality. Uh, shepherds who uh, feed themselves, they were not caring for the lost. Teresa just kind of talked about that. Uh, clouds without rain, they were all show. Uh, autumn without fruit, they, uh, you're supposed to grow as a Christian and have spiritual fruit, but if the tree is growing, not producing fruit, we don't want to be that. And so they didn't have any, uh, no spiritual fruit. Um, the uh, wind and the waves, and we talked about how um, the waves come and they kind of churn everything up and then they wash back out. They churn everything out and they wash back out. We don't want uh, to be that kind of a person that uh, causes dust up in the church. And then wandering stars. You said the stars are fixed in the sky and they can be used to navigate. Jesus is fixed. We can use him. Uh, our life is to reference off of him, not him reference off of us. And so we went, we, we talked about those things. 
And then uh, one of those things, one of those, one of those stuck uh, with somebody. And uh, an illustration that I used when I was talking about this churning up thing, I said sometimes the color of the carpet uh, can cause a ruckus in a church. And I said beware because uh, we, we're going to be changing the color of the carpet down the hallway out there. And so you don't want to be a churner. And no sooner, no sooner than the sermon got done, I walked out into the lobby and there was somebody there and met me and said, I want to pick the color of the carpet. Right after we said that. And so it's real and it happens. And so uh, we, anyway, they were, they were messing with me and that was fun. But uh, here's, so, so that's coming. Just want you to know that Jude, Jude spoke against those things. Not me. It's not me. It's not. Jude. Jude said, you know. So it's coming. I want you. I want you to be reminded of what, where we're at. And Jude was talking to that church. And this morning we're going to look at the book of Philemon. 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 And so um, you go towards the back of your Bible if you're still turning pages, and you find Hebrews. And then you just go back uh, Hebrews chapter one. Go back one page, and that page has probably got Philemon on it. That's where Philemon is. But uh, if you're using your smartphone and you're going to the Bible app, just scroll down and then punch Jude. Okay, and uh, so that Jude, 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 Jude. That's what we're going to be looking at. Uh, excuse me, Philemon, Philemon, Philemon. That's what we're going to be looking at is the book of Philemon. So here's the question. Here's how we're going to get started. Question. You ready? Here's the question. Have you ever had anyone treat you wrong? Have you ever had anyone take from you or wrong you or mistreat you? Have you ever had anyone that maybe you even cared for and were generous to, maybe even stab you in the back? Have you encountered someone like that in your life? What did you do or what do you think of that person now? Can they be redeemed? Let's pray. Father, um, you know exactly what's going on here. Lord Jesus, you were hanging on a cross after people had beat you and spit on you and you said, Father, forgive them. Father, uh, sometimes life can be really hard, but you get it. You've been there. You totally relate. Father, we ask that you will use this time to teach us what you want us to know. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you the book of Philemon before we read the book of Philemon. Philemon. The Apostle Paul, he is in jail in Rome. He's in prison, he's in Rome. And uh, why is he in prison in Rome? There's a couple of reasons. Uh, one is the Jews didn't like uh, Paul. Why didn't the Jews like Paul? Well, uh, Paul was explaining to the Jews, remember that good Jewish guy named Jesus? Uh, you didn't like him, and so you killed him. 
And so they didn't like that. And the Jews had, they were a group that had enough political pull and enough political influence. influence. And in that, it works like the way in America today, there can be groups that have push and pull and things like that. And they can catch the attention of the political leaders. And so they pay attention to the push and the pull of that particular group and um, uh, whatever that group might be. And so here was, uh, the Jews didn't like Paul because he was preaching that Christ was the Messiah and the Jews didn't think that he was the Messiah. And so... uh, they, they, they made kind of a ruckus about that deal. And so they made a disturbance that Rome became aware of the disturbance. And so Rome became interested because their people, they, didn't, they wanted to keep them suppressed and uncontrolled. They didn't want you know, bad things to happen over here. And so they had to appease them. So they arrest Paul. But they were also into, Rome was also interested in arresting Paul because um, Paul was going around saying, uh, Jesus Christ is king. He is Lord. You're to bow to him. You give your life to him. He is the ruler. And meanwhile, the Romans were going, ah, you got that wrong. But he's Caesar. Caesar is God. He is Lord. He is king. You, you bow to Caesar. And so you're in competition with us here. So there was, uh, there was a lot of good reasons that people had. Uh, we need to shut this guy down. We need to arrest him. We're going to put him on trial. And, uh, and, and Paul had even appealed to, uh, to Rome and said, I'm a Roman citizen. You, you have to put me on trial for these things in front of uh, Caesar. And, and so he appealed. And, and so here he was. So he's up in Rome and he's in prison. That's where he is. Now, while Paul was in jail and uh, sometimes chained, sometimes in house arrest, sometimes in a dirty, dungeon-y kind of a place, and other times uh, not, but uh, while he was in prison, uh, he was writing letters to churches, right? And uh, so he was writing, you know, Philippians, and, he, and there was an area, there was an area called Colossae, Colossae. And uh, so he writes a book uh, called Colossians to the churches in Colossae. And Colossae was in an area today, you can go there now, it's kind of in where Turkey is today, and um, not the kind in your freezer, but the, and so he, um, so is in the area of Turkey and um, and over there, and there were these churches, and so it'd be kind of like in America. Um, he's writing to Colossae. He's writing just to the churches in Illinois. He's writing to the churches in Illinois, not American churches, the ones there in that area. But then this letter that Paul is writing to Philemon, he's not writing to an area. He's not writing to a church. He's writing it to a guy in a church in the area of Colossae. Yeah, Paul is in prison writing this letter to Philemon. He's writing it to Philemon. In prison, writing a letter to Philemon. And um, let's see, his house where Philemon lived. Uh, Philemon Philemon was a wealthy guy and um, uh, he had a big house and uh, the church was meeting in his house. And so there weren't church buildings back then. The church, as it grew, and it was growing rapidly, they didn't have time to build a church. In fact, church buildings really didn't come along for several hundred years after Jesus ascended up into heaven. And we, you know, churches now are kind of associated with churches and church buildings. And, you know, anybody ever get in trouble? Like, you don't run in the Lord's house. Well, it's not really the Lord's house. The church, the church is always a tool. The church building is always... It's just simply a tool. It's like curriculum. We buy curriculum that kind of helps us do lessons. Uh, in kids' church, they're in there doing lessons right now, and maybe they're working off of a curriculum, and that's kind of a, a tool. And a kids' club, you know, we organize kids' club. It's kind of a, a tool that we can uh, better meet people in our community and serve people in the community. And the church building, the church building is also uh, just kind of a tool. And, and so the tools that they were using were people's houses, and uh, so there was house church 
one of many in the area of Colossae, and it was at Philemon's house that this church, and so Paul is in prison writing this letter to Philemon, and there was a church that was meeting, and he was a wealthy guy. He was a wealthy guy and probably had a big house. And, and we also know that Philemon had several slaves. He had, a lot, he had slaves. And uh, when we think about slaves, we think of transatlantic slave movement, the uh, African uh, coming to the Americas and being enslaved. Now, all of this is taking place first century. And so this is way before any of that happened. And so slave is a very different context uh, when uh, Paul is writing to um, uh, Philemon. Uh, and so when we think about uh, the context here, what we should think is indentured servant, indentured servant, practically employee, uh, because what would take place in the culture at that time is that uh, if uh, you were, you know, a capable person and uh, you found a wealthy person that might have a lot of land or a house or something like that, you would approach that person and you could say, uh, what I would like to do is uh, work for you. Um, I can't uh, go to the bank and get a loan, but you've got land, and I'd like to get an acre of your land, and type of thing. And and so, how about if we uh, negotiate a contract here, and I will work exclusively for you, and that might be a year. Uh, you know, you've got a horse that I would like to acquire, or whatever. Um, uh, maybe it's a whole acreage and a property and a thing. And so, I'll just work for you for the rest of my life. But then, when I die, I get to give this over to my kids. Okay. And so, they would enter into a legal contract. And, um, and so Paul's in prison. He's writing this letter to Philemon. Then the church is meeting in his house, but he also owns slaves. And, and he has a particular slave. And this particular slave, is his name is Onesimus. Just go ahead and say it. It's kind of fun to say Onesimus. 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 And so Philemon has a slave and his name is Onesimus. And, and here's the thing. Onesimus, he... Uh, must have approached uh, Philemon, said, I'd like to enter into a contract with you. I'm going to work uh, for you and with you and alongside you, and you know, because that's, I want to do that. But Onesimus decided somewhere along the way, he stole from Philemon. And after he stole from Philemon, he said, I'm not going to stick around here anymore. I'm not going to honor my contract here anymore. I'm getting out of here. And he went on the run. He's on the lamb. And so we're not sure exactly how, but while Onesimus is on the run from Philemon's house, he encounters Paul. Now, Paul is in prison, so maybe Onesimus was arrested for something that he had done, and they, maybe they met in prison, maybe uh, some other set of circumstances. Uh, but uh, the Apostle Paul encounters this dirty, rotten thief, Onesimus, and Paul begins to tell Onesimus about Jesus. And Onesimus is like, tell me more. And he told Onesimus more about Jesus. And Onesimus invited Jesus to come into his life. And it changed and rearranged his heart. 
And Onesimus was eager to learn and was excited to learn as the Apostle Paul was excited uh, to teach. And they began to have a, a partnership. Uh, maybe you're familiar with Timothy. Timothy, was he ran around with Paul a, a lot. And, and so uh, there's even a phrase that we use today. If you, if you grew up in a church and you became a preacher and you kind of grew up in that church, you, later you became a preacher and you went out and did preacher things, your home church would say, uh, well, I, my home church of Central Christian Church in Rock Rockford, Illinois, uh, and if they, somebody brought me up, they might say, oh, well, Steve is a Timothy of our church. That means he grew up here, was kind of trained here, but now he's out doing, and so Timothy was running around uh, with the Apostle Paul and was kind of a secretary to him and, and kind of a, 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 a communicator and maybe would run errands or, or deliver some of these letters. To, and so Onesimus became a Timothy of Paul, and, and so here's Paul in prison and he encounters Onesimus and now Paul is going to write a letter to Philemon and we're going to read that now. That's pretty good, huh? That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so, uh, here we go. Uh, the book of uh, Philemon. Um, Philemon, and uh, we're going to go with, uh, we don't say chapter one, there's only one chapter, so verse one, and here's the way that goes. Paul a prisoner. We got this. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. He's saying, "Now I'm writing to you." He says, "To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, and Aphia." And so, who's that? Uh, many scholars believe that Aphia uh, was probably Philemon's wife. And then he goes on and he says, "Our sister." Okay, Aphia, our sister. To Acropus, our fellow soldier. Okay? And so many scholars believe that was probably Philemon's son. And he says, And to the church that meets in your home, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord, Jesus Christ. So Paul's writing this letter to Philemon. Philemon, there's something I want you to know. But go get your wife. Bring her in here. Because I want, I want her to hear what I'm about uh, ready uh, to tell uh, you. And your son, your son looks up to you and you've been mentoring him. And so I want, I want him in here too. And might as well, let's just kind of do this right out here in front of the entire church. I want the entire church to know what I am going to communicate uh, to you uh, right now. That's, that's who I want everybody to be aware of what's going on, uh, Philemon. Here's what I want you to know. And, and then Paul says this. Paul, I, he says, I am a prisoner. I'm a prisoner, and I'm writing to you. Paul, a prisoner. I'm here, and I'm in chains. Tied down. Prisoner. But there's something I want you to know. I am not incarcerated by man. I am captivated by Christ. It is not anybody other than Jesus Christ that has me where I am right now. I am not in chains. I am not incarcerated. I am captivated by Christ. I am captivated by Christ's mercy. He is communicating to them. I am captivated by Christ's grace. I am not a prisoner of anyone. I am a prisoner of Christ. I am captivated by Christ's compassion and by Christ's love. And I am captivated by Christ's forgiveness. The only reason 
reason I am writing to you is not because I'm stuck over here being a prisoner by anybody else, but because I am a prisoner to Jesus. He is my heart. I am chained to him. I am captivated by Christ. And he's writing to Philemon. And he says to Philemon, our dear friend, our dear friend. You, Philemon, are a friend to me. Onesimus, he is my friend too. And he says, grace to you and peace from our Father. Our Father. From our Father. Not just my Father. I'm not the only one here connected to God. But He's our Father. Philemon, He's your dad. And uh, He's even your, your kid's dad. And He's your wife's dad. And He's the whole church's dad. Uh, we are all one family because we have the same Father. We're all together. We're all in this together. Keep all of those things in mind, Philemon, because about I'm going to communicate uh, to you. But write this down in your bulletin. Paul is captivated by Christ. So when we are captivated by Christ, there are probably some things that we can learn from the Apostle Paul when Christ is your heart. So write that down. When captivated by Christ, dot, dot, dot. Let's move on. Verse 4. Paul's prayers were affected by the fact that he was captivated by Christ. Listen to the way Paul prays. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. So I've been praying. Because I heard, because I, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of the saints, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. I want you to tell everybody you know about Jesus so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. You know the good thing I have in Christ? I am captivated by Christ. I want you to know those things. Verse 7. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement while I am here in prison in change. I have great love and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Paul is in a dirty, dark prison. Uh, it, what's he praying for? If I was in that situation, I've, I've never been arrested, I've never been in jail, but probably uh, if I was in jail, I would be praying, uh, God, please somebody, send somebody here right now with some bail money. Uh, I really don't want to be here anymore. I, I'm praying uh, for my, I'm praying for my freedom. I don't want to be here anymore. I might be praying uh, for some money. Um, God, I'm going to need some money because uh, uh, my defense fund is going to be gigantic because uh, uh, they, they're they're all working against me. And so, uh, God, please send me some money and tell those guys to send me, tell Philemon to send me some money. I might be praying for justice. I might be praying uh, for revenge, revenge, because why those dirty, you know, rotten scum? Why, why am I here in prison? I didn't do anything. I might be praying for something like that. But what is Paul praying for? Paul is in a dirty, dark place. But Paul is captivated by Christ, is praying for the advancement of the gospel of Christ, that it would take place in Philemon's home and in the church that meets there in Colossae. That's what he's praying for. Not a pity party. Not a, uh, not a person. Uh, the, uh, he didn't need any personal comfort. He wasn't praying for anything like that. He was praying that Christ's church would advance. What would you pray if you were in that situation? Write this down. 
When captivated by Christ, you look beyond yourself. Look beyond yourself. I might be in this situation. I might have encountered somebody that was a crook. But it's not about me. It's about Jesus in his church. Verse 8. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold. Here's Paul. He's writing to Philemon. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, I'm not coming to you as the apostle Paul. I'm coming to you as from an old man. And now also a prisoner of Christ. He's not pulling rank on Philemon. He's not saying, because I am an apostle and because I had a miraculous conversion and and Jesus picked me when he pulled me uh, off of my horse going down the road and blinded me and you need to do this because of who I am. He's saying, no, I am your old friend and I care about you and you're my friend. And so he says this in verse 10, I appeal to you for my son. He calls him my son Onesimus who became my son while I was in chains in prison. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Paul had the God-given authority to demand the safe return of of God's servant uh, to God's church in Philemon's home. He could have done that. Paul, having been captivated by Christ, saw the transformation from useless to useful. Apparently, when Onesimus arrived and encountered Paul, he wasn't a believer, and so he was useless to the church back there. But now he's become a dynamic believer in Jesus, and so he was very useful to the Apostle Paul as he was there, and he wants to send Onesimus back so that he can be a dynamic leader in the church that was meeting in Philemon's home. Question. What is your view of people who you know are broken, or they are sinners, or they have hurt you, or they have stabbed you in the back, or they have hurt you? Can you see them as a potential brother or sister in Christ? Paul encountered an outright thief, but knew the power of Christ to change his life. Write this down. When captivated by Christ, you have an optimistic outlook. You believe that Christ can do all things. Can he? Will he? Does he? We'll continue in verse 12. Philemon. Here's Paul, prison, writing to Philemon, saying, hey, I encountered this guy. I want you to receive him back in your home for the sake of the church. I am sending him, Onesimus, to you, Philemon, who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent. 
And so he's putting it right on Philemon. Are you going to receive this new brother into your home? So that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason that he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. Paul is in prison with his new friend and support in Onesimus. He is a help to Paul, but Paul is willing to give him up for the church in Philemon's home. Write this down. When captivated by Christ, leaders lead for the greater good. Leaders lead for the greater good. I could have kept him here with me. He would have advanced my work that I am doing in Rome. But for the greater good, I'm sending him back to you. Leaders lead for the greater good. Our church does this thing that most of you know very well. It's called Faith Promise. There's a little poll over there and the Faith Promise. There's this goal that we set, that the church sets and you participate in. And, you know, over $35,000 and for the greater good. For the greater good. That money comes into this church and then that money gets turned right around and it's sent out and it's used to advance the gospel of Christ in a way that, and for people that maybe you and I will never know or never meet or never encounter, and you give to Faith Promise, and it goes out of here for the greater good. That's what good leaders do. And you participate in that. And that's the right thing. Kids Club. Kids Club takes place here on Wednesdays. And uh, it kind of got started and fired up and it's kind of rolling along. And, and, and we'd always seen that as our hope was that we would be able to meet people in the community. We'd be able to serve their families and serve their kids and then build a relationship with them and a friendship with them in a way that we might be able to introduce them to Christ. That's the greater good. Statistically, about 40% of our church serves that greater good. Think about this. Wayne and Kathy, Sandy and Rock, Kathy Court, Becky Winger, Teresa Garcia, Roger and Connie, Sarah Denicus, Laura and Ryan, and the three of their kids, Ellie and Seth, four of their kids, and Nathan and Jacob, and Bob Gibson has helped, and Georgia helps, and Junior helps, and you start adding it all together, there's about 40% of the church is involved with serving other people for the greater good. When captivated by Christ, you serve. You're chained to Christ for the sake of others. 
And when we encounter people that hurt us, we're to look at them and say, my prayer is that one day we can serve as brother and sister for the greater good. Who do you know that might seem out of reach for Jesus that you can invite to church? Don't think they can never change. Onesimus did. What role might you take in leading for the greater good? Jesus wants to captivate you. He can't captivate you unless you invite him in. Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, he says, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone will open the door, I will come in to be Lord of your life. Do you know Jesus? Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. The question still remains, has Jesus captivated your heart? It will change the course and the direction of your life. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I would like to have that conversation with you. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, ask yourself, am I captivated? Are there people that I push away that I need to approach? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your Son that we all need in our life, in our heart, that we can surrender to you. Father, thank you for the supernatural, transformative power that you have given to each one of us when you took our sins away and remember them no more. Father, help us to extend that grace to others. We ask it in Jesus' name, and amen.